Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, Mum to Amandine and Elwood. If you are new here, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life as a mum of two. Sharing all the highs and all the lows, not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, experts in their fields, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and being part of today's conversation. Hello and welcome back to Mum Talk for Series 12, Episode 7. And this week on the podcast, I have the fantastic midwife Pip joining me for a conversation about C-sections, assisted labour, water births, and what to realistically expect after birth. Pip is a practising midwife, full of incredibly knowledgeable information um, that she is very, very kindly sharing with us today on the podcast. I really appreciate her time. Um, We also have a chat about her birth, considering that she is a midwife that I think you will all find really interesting to listen to. So enjoy our chat and I will catch up with you at the end. So Pip, let's first and foremost talk about C-sections and what new mums can expect to feel when they have a C-section. I mean, you're probably the best person to structure how we talk about C-sections. Perhaps when, perhaps we should start off with um, why, why you might have a C-section. Yeah, great, Emma. Thank you. And I think it's really great that we start lifting the lid a little bit more on cesarean birth because we know that roughly in the UK, about a quarter of our population give birth by cesarean section. And to be honest, I don't see that statistic dropping drastically anytime soon. And your cesarean birth could be a planned or an elected cesarean procedure or an unplanned or emergency cesarean. The planned cesareans may be something that you have chosen. So we tend to call that maternal request. And there could be lots of reasons why you feel that a cesarean birth will be the best way for you to deliver your little one. It may also be for things like your baby's in a breech position, or perhaps previously there's been an issue with your delivery, or there was some trauma there. And therefore, it's been recommended for you this time. So sometimes when we have a a planned cesarean, it's not perhaps mum's choice. It is that there's a medical thing that's cropped up, but actually that it wasn't their plan A. And then we have those unplanned cesareans. And these can happen for a massive range of of sort of things that could crop up in labour. So it could be things like perhaps labour isn't progressing as we may expect, Perhaps we're slightly concerned about your, you or your baby's well-being and therefore feel that the safest thing to do would be to deliver your baby sooner by, by cesarean. Um, and they're generally in labour, the, the kind of two main things really, concern about mum or baby or perhaps labour isn't progressing as we'd expect. And one of the things, Emma, that when I speak to mums who are having a cesarean or had a cesarean, they very much planned for a vaginal birth 
and have this beautiful, you know, birth plan, or I like to call it birth preferences for this vaginal birth. And then when actually they go for an abdominal or a cesarean birth, it's almost like that's shredded up and we haven't got a plan, mm-hmm. which I find find really, really disempowering, to be honest, because actually a lot of those preferences that you may have had for your vaginal birth can absolutely carry on through to a cesarean birth. And I think it's important we, we plan for what a positive cesarean may look like, even if it isn't plan A for us, because it can still be a really positive and empowering birth experience. Mm. Absolutely. So if you are going to have, whether it's planned or unplanned, a cesarean section, what does this look like? Or what can this look like? I suppose it is, again, very different if it's planned, or if it's maybe an emergency. I'm sure that's different. But in general, what would that look like? I mean, I'm guessing there's just a lot, there's a lot more people in the room to starters. Yeah, there is a lot more people in the room. You're totally right. And it's in a theatre setting. So there are two of the things that can sometimes be a bit disconcerting when you're the woman in that situation. What I always try and say is all of these people in the room, first of all, they'll all introduce themselves to you. And thankfully, we are starting to move away from mask times now. Mm. So people look a little bit less scary because actually you can see they're smiling behind their mask and they're nice and relaxed. So rather than feeling kind of a bit overwhelmed by all of these people that are with you, actually really try if you can to feel reassured Mm. because you've got all of these amazing professionals and experts at what they do, looking after you and your baby in that moment and making sure that you're kept safe, which actually is an incredible thing. And thank goodness for the NHS that we have that available, you know, at the drop of the hat Mm. or a press of a button as it may be on labor wards. So yeah, try and try and be reassured. And then the theatre setting. And this is where really thinking about those birth preferences is really important. And having that conversation with your midwife, whether this is planned or unplanned. Because there's lots of things we can do. We can have your choice of music playing. You can have delayed core clamping and immediate skin to skin. We can adjust the lighting or introduce some mood lighting into theatre quite often as well. But it's really good to have. Yeah, with so much we can do, honestly. So theatre doesn't need to be this big, scary place at all. It's still your birth. It is a surgical procedure. And I'm sure we'll go go on to talk about the kind of impact of that physically and psychologically. But... It's still a birth. It's not a hip surgery. It is a birth of your baby. And it's important that it still feels like the birth of your baby. If you have a cesarean section immediately after, how will you how are you going to feel? Because it is, of course, a surgical procedure. How will how will you feel? Yeah, so when you immediately after, actually quite numb because you've had usually a cesarean's done with either an epidural top up. So if you already had an epidural, we just make it a bit stronger and a bit higher. Or if you haven't had an epidural, we use a spinal anesthetic. I say we, it's not me as a midwife, it's it's an anesthetist who's very trained to do this kind of procedure. Um, So you're actually really, really numb. There are a few cases where we would recommend a general anesthetic, but that really is few and far between. So generally you're awake and you do just feel numb. So you can't get up and walk. You are numb from kind of just below your breastbone or your belly button all the way down. And that can take a good few hours to wear off. But because you've got all of that um, anesthetic on board, you're not in any pain for a little while. What we then want to do is make sure we give you some painkillers before all of that wears off Mm. because you have had major abdominal surgery when you have a cesarean birth. So there is going to be some pain as all of that, that kind of wound healing is happening. So it's really important we then keep on top of those painkillers 
And then around 12 hours later, you should be good to really think about mobilizing at that point if you haven't already. Um, But having those painkillers on board is really important. And it's worth thinking about things as well. If you were planning to breastfeed your baby, actually breastfeeding in that standard kind of cradle hold position that we often see see in images of breastfeeding mums might be quite uncomfortable if you've had a cesarean birth because all of your baby's weight is on your tummy and that area is quite swollen and bruised and uncomfortable. So it might be in the first few days or even perhaps a couple of weeks, feeding your baby lead on your side or in a kind of rugby ball hold is going to be more comfortable whilst all that healing is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll also have a catheter in. So when you have a cesarean, whether it's planned or unplanned, we would pop a catheter in your bladder before the surgery. And that's because we want to make sure your bladder is lovely and empty. If your bladder's full, when your obstetrician does the incision, there's a risk of us nicking your bladder and causing a bladder injury. So by us draining it, we kind of keep it much, much more out the way, if you like, um, to help reduce that risk of an injury to your bladder. So you will have a catheter in for eight to 12 hours generally after your cesarean. I, I assume, I keep, um, keep hearing um, the importance of getting up and moving after you've had a cesarean section. Yeah, oh, 100%, Emma. So what we know when you do have a cesarean section and you've been pregnant is you have a significantly higher risk of blood clots. So blood clots that can develop in your calf and spread up to your lungs and be really quite serious. And one of the best ways of us reducing that risk is by moving. So you're often given injections or some nice, sexy, knee-length compression socks, but actually moving around is so good. But it's also just really good for our mental well-being as well. And if you are breastfeeding and you're led in bed, bed and things, it absolutely does havoc for your back. So getting up, doing some gentle stretching, moving your body about is so important for your recovery. And that's why taking those painkillers are important as well and not holding back on those in those early days. Because if you are in pain, of course, you're not going to be comfortable to mobilise. And mobilising as well helps prevent constipation, which we often forget about. And the last thing you want when you've had a baby and you've had surgery is to be constipated. So really thinking about supporting your recovery, hydration, nutrition, and moving your body are, are really important things to do. And pelvic floors, oh my gosh, pelvic floors. And I know you did an awesome episode about that with Claire Bourne. So definitely those pelvic floors. Yes, definitely those pelvic floors. And you can always do more pelvic floors. I've been rubbish at my pelvic floor. God. We um, all need well, to do more pelvic floors, don't I we? I know. I know. I think actually every woman probably needs to do. And whether Gosh, yeah, or babies not. or not babies, right? Yeah. One more question on um, C-sections and moving. So just to clarify, mm. we're not talking about, you know, going out and doing like a 45-minute walk with your newborn or something. But it's listening to your body, isn't it, Emma? Like, you know how we all respond so differently. We all recover so differently from, from birth and from surgery. And depending as well on whether your cesarean was planned or unplanned, it's going to make a massive difference to how you feel in those early days and how much you want to mo- mobilise. Mm. Because for some women who have a unplanned or an emergency cesarean, they may have gone through like two or three days of labour. So they've gone through all of that trauma as well. They might have even been pushing their baby out for an hour or two and then had a cesarean. So that recovery is really significant. That being said, actually, if you're someone, and I was definitely, definitely in this camp, I didn't have a cesarean birth, 
but who finds that fresh air is just so important for your mental well-being, then my goodness, go for a 10-minute walk around the block. That's absolutely fine. Your body is clever. It will tell you if you've done too much. Mm. If you start to notice your bleeding's a bit heavier, Mm. you just feel overly fatigued, you're going to feel tired. Of course, you've got a new baby. But, you know, really excessively fatigued or the pain suddenly gets worse and actually that's your body telling you to scale back. But if you feel you want to and you can and that's what feels right for you, then of course do that Mm. I'll never forget when I started to feel so much better and started to go out and do more and more walking my body was so quick to tell me that I wasn't ready Mm. because I'd start I'd stopped bleeding and then I went for this lovely long walk and then all of a sudden I had so much more bleeding again and that was just my body saying whoa slow down this is just too Mm. much too quickly um, so it is, you're completely right. Very, very clever. So let's move on. Unless there's anything else you think we've missed with cesarean sections. Oh, just one top tip, Emma, that's just mm. sprung to mind. You asked me that. If you are having a planned cesarean, one of my tips is to proof your house before you have your baby. And what I mean by that is what's going to be really uncomfortable is if you're stretching into cupboards and things. So if you can put like your tea and coffee, not in that high up cupboard, but actually just on the side, you know, like the, the baby nappies and things that are comfortable reaching height so that when, you know, your partner or friends and family aren't around to support you or they've gone back to work, you haven't got to do all of that awkward lifting and reaching and stretching. So that would just be my, my top tip for cesarean mums. And also, don't be afraid to look at your scar. The amount of women that say to me, oh, I haven't even looked to, to it yet. And we're like, come on, let's have a look. Let's get a mirror out. And then... They're like, oh, is that it? Like, it's so, so neat and really low down, usually below your kind of bikini line and around 10 to 20 centimetres in length. So quite, quite small as well. And there will be lots of bruising to start with. But as that bruising fades, it's literally so neat, like a little pencil line. And it's your body. So please don't be afraid to, to have a little look at it. And how do you care for a cesarean section scar? Yeah, good question. It's actually not that uh, that different to a vaginal wound, to be honest. So our basic wound hygiene is things like washing your hands before and after you touch it. So if you are having a look or um, usually we remove a dressing of a cesarean wound after about five days. Okay. But if you are having a look at it, just wash your hands before. And if you are a lady who perhaps has a little bit of an overhang over their scar, that can cause a little bit of excess moisture from from natural sweat, especially when you're warm with a, with a sticky baby. So I would recommend having a little a little sort of 10, 15 minutes every day where you can just lie on the sofa or your bed and just elevate your abdomen just to take that pressure and allow the air to get to that scar. If that isn't a problem for you, then actually just getting air to your scar is a really good idea anyway. So trying to do sort of 10 to 15 minutes of that a day is a really good idea. And then later on down the line, sort of maybe 8, 12 weeks, that kind of time when you feel comfortable, starting to think about a little bit of cesarean section scar massage can be brilliant. Mm -hmm. Often women find that their, their kind of tissue around the scar is a little bit desensitized after a cesarean. And doing a little bit of massage or strokes with like a makeup brush, things like that, just to resensitize the skin can be a really nice way of supporting that healing. But to start with, really, it's good hygiene. Have a look at it so that if you notice any signs of infection, we can treat it as soon as possible. Um, and getting some air to it every day is a really smart idea. I actually found that with um, both of my vaginal deliveries, 
that it always feels so much worse than it is. And I remember, I don't know, being so nervous to actually have a look, especially with my, well, with my first. And then I thought, it's ridiculous. I'm just going to get a mirror and I'm going to have a look. And after I'd had a look, I immediately felt so much better and so much less sore and so much Mm -hmm. less precious about, not precious, precious is the wrong word, but more nervous to touch yeah yeah, nervous to touch or or, yeah conscious or careful how I was wiping and all that kind of thing because I just in my mind it was kind of carnage down there you know when actually it really wasn't (laughs) it was totally fine and that's really interesting what you say you know when we've built up in our minds that there is some like awful you know circumstance going on down there and then you look at it and you're like oh actually it looks like it did before just a bit bit bruised bit swelling bit of bleeding Mm -hmm. whatever like you say, it does, it does start taking that pain away. Our minds and bodies are so, so connected, aren't they? They really, really are. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to assisted labor and water births. And I know they're, they're, they're actually very much two different things. So let's start with assisted labor. So mm. perhaps the use of forceps or of, is it a vontus? Is that what yep. it's called? Yeah. A vontus in what situations they might be used and what that might look like for um, mm. a mother, a new mother. Yeah, definitely. So vontus and forceps, they are two different instruments. They're essentially trying to achieve the same thing. And that is to obviously assist with a vaginal birth. Now, often women say to me, I will have the have the vontus, the little kiwi suction cup that we might have seen, but not the forceps. And unfortunately, it isn't quite that simple because although they're trying to achieve the same thing, they are used in different circumstances and, and for different reasons. So the obstetrician recommending one or the other will do a vaginal examination, assess the position of your baby in the pelvis, how low they are, um, and recommend one or the other for you. Now, they're quite different in a way because with the Von 2 suction cup, this goes, I'm going to try and talk about it, but it's so much easier to show you. So I'm going to show you, Emma, but try and explain it to everyone else. The um, Von 2 or suction cup goes on top of your baby's head. The forceps go around the side of your baby's head. So what that means is the forceps are increasing the diameter of your baby's head. The Von 2 or the suction cup isn't. So for this reason, the, the Von Tuss is literally, your baby is about to be born. They're probably going to be born in like 10, 15 minutes. But our pelvises have got this kind of U-bend that we have to push our babies around. And that can be a bit challenging. So if we're concerned, perhaps that your baby's getting a little bit upset and we, we know they're going to be born vaginally, but we just want to speed that up a little bit. That's where the suction cup is often used. And that's often used without something like an epidural on a spinal anesthetic. And that can usually be done in the room that you were birthing your baby anyway. And it literally is lifting that baby around that U-bend. And then you carry on birthing the rest of your baby without that assistance. We still need your pushes. It's not a get out cause for, for stopping pushing. You are still doing most of the work. The forceps might be used if perhaps babies are not such a great position in the pelvis. They're a little bit higher up in the birth canal. And because these do go further into the vaginal canal and increase the size of your baby's head, these would be done with analgesia on board. So an existing epidural or with a spinal anesthetic. Now, often with a forceps, what we hear is a trial of forceps. What that means is the obstetrician would like to try to support you to birth your baby vaginally with forceps. 
But if it doesn't work, we can't just go like, oh, well, never mind. Didn't work, sorry. We need a plan. <laughs> we need a next step. And that next step would be to proceed to a cesarean section for you. And for that reason, a trial of forceps would be done in theatre. So that if it doesn't work for, for one reason or another, we're in the right place with the right team to proceed without any delay. We also would recommend usually with a forceps having an episiotomy. And the reason being what we want to do is reduce the risk of a tear that goes into your back passage or the anal sphincter muscles. And we know that the rates of those are slightly higher with women that birth with forceps, probably because of how we're increasing that diameter of baby's head. And the episiotomy is therefore designed to direct that trauma or that tearing away from your back passage and try and reduce that risk for you. Like I said before, though, touching into those birth preferences, planning antenatally for what these births can still look like for you to make sure that they're still really positive, because depending what statistics you look at, um, assisted births account for about one in five to one in eight births in the UK. So to a reasonably high number, if you're sat at your antenatal class and there's, you know, 10 of you, that is a couple of you that are going to have an assist, assisted birth potentially. So making sure we we ensure that these births are still super positive is really important because they really are. Um, and it's not a case of, you know, you can't push your baby out at all. And, and with these births, you really still are doing a lot of pushing. It is literally that little bit of assistance just to lift baby around that U-bend. That is all. Mm. That's so interesting. I'd never, uh, I'd never um, spoken about them before. It's really interesting. So how about water births? Um, mm. I actually had two myself, very different um but wonderful so what uh from a medical professional point of view what can you expect from a water birth yeah oh Emma I had a water birth too with, with my little boy yeah I loved it um so really from a medical professional point of view as midwives we don't do much um because we're obviously monitoring your baby etc um but when your baby's born in the water what we don't want to do is stimulate them to breathe until they've been born so it's very much a watching waiting speaking to you and guiding you through your sort of pushing and your breathing at the end and then once your baby's head and shoulders are delivered and your baby is in the pool, we then can support you to lift baby up and have skin to skin. And it is very common with babies born in water that they take a little bit longer to pink up and cry. And that's not something we worry about at all. It's purely that they've had quite a gentle transition because we forget that inside the womb, they're swimming around in water. So they've been born into kind of body temperature water and it does take them a little bit longer to kind of think, oh yeah, yeah, I've just been born. And then they give us that lovely cry and pink up. So if your baby is born and they do look a little bit blue or a little bit white, the midwife will usually just help you stimulate them with a nice towel and they'll give you that lovely cry and pink up. And, and that's really normal. Um, for a lot of women, we then recommend exiting the pool um, to support you with the birth of your placenta. Um, and that's how we can appropriately measure blood loss because you, we know what it's like. You know, you put a little bit of squash into water and you don't really know how much is in there. And it's similar with, with bleeding after birth in a pool. It's really hard to properly assess it when, when it's in water. Um, but there's no, no massive rush as long as everything's fine. You can keep baby skin to skin. You can have all that lovely delayed cord clamping or just wrap you up in lots of towels because you can feel a little bit chilly when all that adrenaline kicks in and you've just birthed in water too. 
One of the hardest things about being a new parent is the lack of sleep. So anything that helps to settle your baby more quickly or encourages them to sleep for longer has got to be a good thing. This is where Rocket comes in. They design clever products to help babies and older children to sleep. First up is the Rocket Rocker. This clever device attaches to any pram or stroller and gently rocks it for you. The soothing rocking motion helps your baby to nod off and nap for longer, so you're free to drink that coffee whilst it's still hot, get your hair cut without interruption, or give your older child some attention whilst your baby is content by your side. Next up is Zed a sleep soother that mimics the feeling of being in a car and we all know how well babies sleep in the car. Simply place Zed on the mattress by your baby's feet and press the snooze button. The finely tuned vibrations ripple gently through the mattress encouraging a deep sleep. Finally, there's Woosh, the small but mighty rechargeable sound soother. Choose from eight calming sounds to create the perfect soothing environment for your baby. The one-hour timer is great for daytime naps or switch to the 10-hour mode for those extra tricky nights. All three products are available from rocketrocker.com. That's rocket spelt with an I-T. And they've been really, really kind and given you guys 20% off all UK orders. So please use the discount code MUMTALK. All one word, all capital letters. M-U-M-T-A-L-K. What was it like being or giving birth, being a midwife? Because yeah. of course you've got all of this medical knowledge. And did you find yourself like second guessing what was going on and trying to kind of treat yourself as such or, or, or midwife yourself? <laughs> yeah, Emma, do you know what? I really thought when the time came... I would completely switch off my midwife head because I had two beautiful colleagues looking after me that like I 100% trusted them. Like if, you know, whatever they said needed to happen, I would have been like, to- like totally fine, would not have questioned it, completely trusted them with me and my baby. Um, but I could not switch off my midwife head. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. And I didn't want to go into hospital when we went into hospital. Um, but anyway, my husband had the app. He's a teacher. He had the app and he was timing those contractions. <laughs> The app says we need to go in. I know, but I am a midwife. Like, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know we need to go in. The app's been saying for half an hour that we need to go in. Yeah, I know, but I'll let you know we need to go in. And he was like, it's going to be rush hour soon. And we live in a village that isn't very near the hospital. And he was like, if we, if we hit the traffic and the road work, it's going to take us an hour and a half to get in. And I was like, but I'm just not ready. I don't even know if this is labor yet. I'm very comfortable. I was super calm and chilled at home. Had my candles going. So then he phoned my friend who was on call for us. And was like, I think we need to come in. But Pip's saying no. And she said, let me just listen to a contraction. And she listened. She was like, just put her in the car and bring her in. So anyway, we went in. And I was like, if I'm a centimeter, I might have to find a different place to work. <laughs> I was so worried about like not being in labor. Um, but I was, which was great. But then when they, had to take, they had to take the clocks off the wall because I was clock watching. And I was like, right, well, you know, it's this time now. So I should be this. Honestly, nightmare. I was so naughty. Um, and I remember once I was quite polite, thankfully. Um, and I didn't do my, I didn't do shouting and swearing. I just went quite quiet, but I do remember once saying to my husband, 
my midwife was called Kate. And I said, can you tell Kate to hurry up and put her gloves on? Because I know she's just delaying examining me. <laughs> and she was like, it's not that Pip. It's just that I usually she works on labor ward and she'd come over to the birth center to care for me. And she's like, I don't know where the blooming gloves are. She's like ravaging through the, <laughs> through the, and then I did examine myself in the pool a couple of times. I was like, I'm fully dilated. I know I'm fully dilated. <laughs> I was a bit, I was a little bit naughty. Um, but so yeah, re- and that's something, if I am blessed enough to have another baby, um, that's something I really need to work on, actually, is turning that off. Like, I don't know why. And I hope the next time I'd be better just because I know that my body's done it once. There's no reason why it won't do it again. But I kept thinking, you know, oh, I'm fully dilated, but how many women do I see go for a cesarean section at this last point? Like, I kept having these little thoughts, which was, which was, annoying really it was quite annoying because I didn't need to think that way um but then I don't know it's hard isn't it I really want to work on that next time but I don't know if I'll be able to undo my you know that's what I see every day it's what I live and breathe so I don't know but yeah it was it was yeah it was definitely interesting (laughs) (laughs) I did I did at the end my um Finley was born in the water and my lovely mother was like well Pip, you've managed the rest of your labour, so you might as well just deliver him as well. <laughs> so, so then it was really nice that I got to kind of pick him up on my own. But yeah, overall, I absolutely loved it. I loved, 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 loved it. Can't wait to do it again. And it's made me even more passionate, I think, Emma, about wanting all women to feel like just, you know, I don't know how you felt when you had your little ones, but in that moment, I felt like I could have taken on the world. I felt my most kind of strong and capable and powerful, even though I had like a cord dangling between my legs and probably looked very uncapable and powerful. Um, And I just think, however birth it looks for you, that's how everyone should feel. Mm -hmm. Like everyone should feel that. I, I believe like so relentlessly passionate about that. Yeah. I completely agree. And for days after, actually, with with Amaldine, definitely for days after I felt so high and just so, yeah, powerful and strong and had so much unbelievable respect for my body Mm -hmm. and, well, new, I mean, I still do, but a new respect for, for my body and what it's capable of and just how absurdly amazing pregnancy and birth is Mm. um I mean I have to say with Elwood it wasn't quite the same (laughs) a little bit of trauma at the end by the sounds of things but my goodness your body grew and birthed a 10 pound baby that is impressive and with all of that happening with him getting stuck I didn't need one stitch nothing Isn't that shows you how well designed the vagina is for childbirth, doesn't it? Like yeah. it just, and one of those annoying things that we hear, like we see all the time, don't we, as a meme is for men, it's like giving birth, giving birth to a watermelon, like your bum hole. And it's like, it's absolutely not. Our vaginas are designed <laughs> completely differently. Like they are literally designed to open up. Um, and obviously, because yeah, otherwise that wouldn't have worked, would it? No, it definitely certainly would not have. No, no. <laughs> so... This brings us quite nicely, I guess, into what to expect after birth, because no birth is the same, even if it's very, very similar, because our firsts sound very, very similar. Um, but no birth is the same. So everyone won't try and beat you on the, the weight of my second baby. Then, <laughs> if that's okay. <laughs> you can so have that medal. <laughs> now, now when people are like, 
oh my baby was nine pound two can you believe I'm like yep <laughs> that's nothing You're I like, that's believe nothing. And I try I really have to keep my mouth shut though because I re- I often want to say like that's nothing but of course it's yeah it's most, significant weight it's significant weight <laughs> And actually any weight of a baby is significant because, you know, down there, small yeah. hole, big baby. Um, <laughs> so nothing, you know, no birth is ever ever the same and no one experiences their birth the same. Even if the birth is very similar, we have no idea how supportive they felt, et cetera, et cetera. So how can we go about just quickly helping women or partners feel supported around the topic of what to expect after birth Mm, I think the first thing is we need to be really honest Mm. and recognize that the fourth trimester is really bloody difficult and I always say that society is so different to how it was like three generations ago and those biological needs of our baby simply do not fit the societal expectations of us as modern day mothers the two do not marry up What our babies want and need is simply us. They want us skin to skin. They want to be on the breast. They don't want to be put down in a cot. Like the amount of messages I get, how do I get my newborn to settle in a cot? You probably won't. That's not what they want. It's not what they need. They want closeness and they want you. And they don't want you to do anything other than hold them and cuddle them and and love them and have, you know, smell you and hear your heartbeat and all that beautiful, beautiful safeness because this world is really scary unless they're on you because they don't know anything else. Everything is stimulation. Everything is new and overwhelming. But society tells us, well, depending on where you live and your circumstance, you might be back to work in a few months. You know, you might be blessed to have six months or a year off, but you might be back, you know, at eight weeks. You might be expected to run the home still. You know, we, we always say it takes it takes a village to raise a child. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm still waiting for this village to knock yeah. at the door. Because <laughs> there's yeah. no village. It's me and my husband and that is it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all of these different things. You know, a few generations ago, you would have your baby in literally the village. You know, friends, family, whoever lived near you would be in your home bringing you food, bringing you drinks, holding the baby while you had some sleep. You, your job was literally rest, recover, feed your baby. Done not how it is anymore and and therefore the the pressures are so different that it's no surprise that mental health is like plummeting in postpartum women and I think unless we really talk about those realistic expectations you know being just dropping your standards like in life for a little bit it's not forever but just like the washing up and the hoovering really does not matter and um, I think it's really important and planning about how you're going to cope with that planning on how are we going to manage the sleep deprivation because we know it's going to come like it is inevitable unfortunately but how are we going to cope with that what are going to be our little mechanisms Um, and having really honest and open communication with with those that are around you in that time is so important planning as much as you can so having you know food and snacks that you can eat one-handed or you know meals that you can just ping in the microwave that perhaps you've cooked in the third trimester your fourth trimester self will really, really help you for a little bit of third trimester planning um, just for taking those simple pressures off of you. But yeah, I think I think we have got to be really open and honest. And I think those of us that have got a presence on you know, social media and things like that, it's really important that we take that responsibility seriously because you know that little beautiful square is often not what's going, a lot, going on around and the edges. And I know you talk as much as I do about like, 
the sleep deprivation and the you know the gray hairs that we're we're brewing every single day from the worry and anxiety of motherhood and I think it's we need to really start being more honest so actually filtering your social media is is probably quite important if you're seeing things in your feed that are making you compare yourself or feel less as a woman or as a mother these aren't the people for you to be following at the moment mm-hmm. actually keeping it real I think I think is so important. I think we just have to do that for each other as women more and more. And Emma, another thing that I have just personally fallen into a huge trap of, which I didn't think I would because this isn't me as a character, but comparing my baby and my mothering Mm -hmm. to those around me. um, Mm. Awful. So Finley has only really just started rolling and he's nine months. So I'd say probably only about eight and a half months he started rolling. My goodness, I had this poor kid diagnosed with like every disorder because he was late to roll and he doesn't like like extreme noise. So he's fine with like the hoover. But like I went to a music class today where it's like really loud music, like older babies, like squawking and everything's like, I was a bit like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Quite a small hot room. And he was like, get me out of here. This is horrible. He had the worst time ever. And so I was like, right, well, that's it. You know, he must have this condition and this condition because he's slow to roll and he doesn't like really loud noises my goodness we are we are our worst enemies aren't we at comparing um and I've got a friend who is a GP and both our babies sometimes shake their heads so Finley does it as like a self-soothing and I we were laughing because I diagnosed him with some other condition because he did that and she diagnosed her baby with a different condition (laughs) she shakes her head and I was like should we just agree that we've both got really healthy, thriving, happy babies and stop being so ridiculous? But the, the like worry is is just like tremendous, isn't it, as a new mum? Oh God, I di- <laughs> I mean, I'm not even a medical professional and I diagnosed Amaldine with vitamin D deficiency in bowed legs because she was... <laughs> She was really late walking, well, late in the comparison side of things. She walked at 18 months and I could have sworn that her legs were like bowed and I was like, oh my God, I didn't give the, I didn't give her enough vitamin D drops. This is just totally all my fault. She's got weak bones, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Obviously, she's like a three and a half year old toddler that now sprints around the garden and I can barely catch up with her. She does not have any bone issues. <laughs> so funny, isn't it? It's so and Finley actually has gone from like rolling he learned to do it one way the next day he was doing it the other way today he was just like roly-polying and now he's starting to try and crawl it's well, like he suddenly realized he can move his body yeah and in his defense he's enormous like I don't think I could have rolled his tummy over like he's such a big baby he wasn't that big when he was born like you but he has just got massive and I was like I just don't think he's ever had the the ability to shift his tummy over mm. <laughs> until now yeah yeah don't compare don't compare like you and your baby are beautifully unique and you're on your own journey and everything will happen in in its right time yeah I couldn't agree more Pip I could speak to you for hours hours and hours it's so funny at the beginning I was like let's make this 20 minutes but that hasn't happened but it's because no it's not nothing to apologize (laughs) for because we have had such a great chat and so much brilliant supportive information which I think mums pregnant or about to give birth or if they're listening and they've just given birth will feel really supportive even if they need to look back and think or listen back and realize well hang on why did I have forceps or why did I have an emergency cesarean section um I think it's really important to just 
keep talking about this stuff and make it available to anyone who wants to listen so thank you so so much for coming on the podcast oh it's a pleasure emma pleasure it's lovely to chat to you and let's pray for the sleep fairies that being on side tonight for all the mamas out there a huge huge thank you to pip for coming on the podcast and sharing such a wonderful evening's chat with me i really really enjoyed our chat as you can probably tell lots of giggles um (laughs) i did manage to edit out most of my brain numbness from the podcast so thankfully thank your lucky stars you didn't have to listen to all of that Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel supported by it in whatever way you need. And if you did, please do leave a rate, a review and subscribe if you are not yet subscribed. And then next week's podcast will just go straight right into your um, podcast list. So you don't need to go hunting for it. Thank you so much. I'll catch up with you next week. Next week on the podcast, we have the second podcast from holly at the bump plan talking all about postnatal fitness catch you then